Welcome back to Don't Quit Your Day Job. My name is Paul, and I am your host as always. And today, I have the great uh, pleasure and honor of having my friend all the way from the wilds of Munich in Germany, uh, Michael Treetop Voss. Uh, Fossey, how are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah? All good. Thanks Thanks for coming on the show. It's not too late for you, right? You, you normally go to bed at like 7 o'clock or something, right? Yeah, so yeah, like my, <laughs> at my age, like I usually it's like 7 or yeah. <laughs> if I'm uh, a bit excited, it might be 8.30. <laughs> well, thank, thanks for being on the show. And we're going to get started, go right into it. My first question for you is um, you're a trumpet player. Um, so what I want to know is why someone would play the trumpet versus a cooler instrument like accordion or alpenhorn or something like this. Why the trumpet? Well, that's pretty easy because, you know, uh, Munich is in Bavaria. Bavaria has blast music like brass bands. And, um, actually my dad did, uh, was the conductor of a, Bavarian brass band. So, and when I was a little kid, I was traveling with the band, like a lot. Okay. So, and I was like three years old, and I was like everybody uh, was totally excited about the little son of the conductor, and it was like in the seventies. So, these Bavarian brass people had like crazy long hair and beards <laughs> and were of course drinking lots of beer and wearing their traditional Bavarian lederhosen and, and, and stuff. So and um, so my dad wanted me to learn an instrument, but I was pretty reluctant. And so one day we moved to another place. And so he was was asked to start another Bavarian brass band because that village didn't have a brass band. And so he said, okay, I do it. And then he looked at me and said, if you come with me. So and so I started playing the trumpet. That was the whole thing. And how old were you then? I was, um, I think I was 11 or 12, something like that. Okay. So, and were you were you playing soccer or doing any sports? Because I know that you're not a big fan of sports uh, in your in your adult years. But at this time, was were you doing any sports, or what, did it just music become the thing for you? So, like, basically, music didn't become the thing at that time. So, I was I was practicing uh, with my dad, who played the clarinet. So he didn't know like the whole whole details from trumpet playing, so I was practicing on Sunday, and on Monday there was band rehearsal. And after, I I think, one year, we had like the first BFS that we played. So, and that was like playing two times the trumpet and the rest of the time the trumpet was sitting in the case. And I was gluing together like uh, airplane models and painting them and doing like, 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 like you do with your figurines and stuff. So I was totally into that. Yeah, with my Warhammer stuff, which is not nerdy at yeah. all. It's very, very cool. 
no, no. It, it, it's uh, it's 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 uh, it's just, in our age. It's it's good training for uh, <laughs> control of the hand yes. and the, the eyes. So it's it's a good thing to do, for sure. So. So, so when did you get serious about music then? When did you start to think that it was more than just maybe a hobby? Uh, that was um, mainly that was um, like in the, in the mid-teenage years, it was uh, I, I, I really got into, into music and it was, so at that time I thought, oh, it sucks that I play a boring instrument because I wanted to play bass, of course. And like the two friends I, I grew up with, like uh, and played played also in the in the in the brass band. Uh, one played drums and the other one played saxophone. So, um, but at that time, then I, I um, tried to figure out what we could do. Well, together, so we all like. Then we decided we 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 try jazz. But since I didn't have a proper education, and especially I had only like the uh, the standard education that you get in the Western world, so you uh, uh, you're trained to read sheet music. So I couldn't improvise at all. So which is a bad thing if you want to play jazz <laughs> so we bought we bought sheet music for jazz with like written down solos and did that so but um a while after that i realized okay this will lead nowhere and uh when i when i moved to munich i uh looked for a teacher and then i really started working on it it was like um, it really, it really, I really got hooked bad, badly. So, so I, I practiced at least one hour a day, most of the time, like two or three hours, and uh, got that serious with it. Which was one part was, uh, and I was at that time I was uh, 19 years old. Okay. So when I finished my professional education and so that was also that was the um based on the teacher so it was uh, a saxophone trombone player from florida bones patterson um and he was really really um good in getting people excited about music so because he was like he was crazy like really, really, really into it. So, so did he like yell at you was, and stuff if you didn't practice and beat your knuckles with a ruler or something? No, the thing is, he was like, um, uh, he was like one one of those. He did too much teaching, uh, crazy too much teaching and not enough playing. But he was still very, very into the music. So what he did yell a lot, of course. Um, <laughs> but he he was sitting on his Fender Rhodes piano and like he had like huge, huge hands. It was like it was big, and he was like <laughs> hammering the Rhodes with his with his left hand and playing 
Dom, 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 dom. And playing the 13th chords with the right hand, bam, 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 and then wanted you to um, uh, play bebop most of the time because he was, even though he started out at that time uh, in the States, he, he started out as a, as a soul funk and like hard bop musician. Um he was when he was in in Munich or still is like he's totally into bebop because that's from his from his value system is like the classical gold standard of uh, African American music. So he wants to have all his students to be fit as a bebop musician. Okay, which. There are, doesn't work for me. <laughs> there are worse things, I guess, but th that's also not the easiest thing to just jump into. Yeah, it's crazy. It's totally crazy. <laughs> and so it doesn't fit to me because you you know me a, a little so and you know that I'm usually a bit slow. So <laughs> and do all this crazy grooving high, Dizzy Gillespie, Charlie Parker stuff. It's just beyond like the 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 capacity of my fingers <laughs> it just doesn't work so and when i was doing like my uh, melody stuff he was always like then then hitting the fender rose piano that like all the sheet music and all he had there was jumping and ah peter stop serenading to the ladies <laughs> that was that was his thing so Start serenading um, to the ladies. Stop. Oh, stop. 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 <laughs> yeah. And like with his very, very strong voice. So I got my name from him, actually. Oh, Treetop? So he, was, he was the one who gave me that stage name. Okay. So here's a serious question that sounds silly, but um, we've been on tour together. We've done a lot of records together in Doping the Void. Um, occasionally I will take your trumpet, um, and try to make noises through it, but it's very, very difficult. And my question is, do you need to have a certain kind of lip structure or mouth structure to be able to play the trumpet or really can anybody do it? Is there, is there any physical attribute that makes it easier or harder to play trumpet? Yeah. So let's say I'm actually not really talented for it. Um, because I can't whistle. <laughs> really? Uh, no, I can't whistle. Wow. Doesn't work. And the thing is, uh, what you need to have is like, um, uh, like what you say nowadays is that you don't have any any like physical like traits or something like that. You need to train the muscle system of like around the lips mm -hmm. and you need to train your your uh, the deep breath to control control the power the, the the air but that's pretty similar to what singers do regarding the breath and uh, but um, what's actually a, a bit of a thing if you're a trumpet player like the whole the whole system works like a, a jet engine like you have like the power comes from from the deep breath uh, and um, the whole thing like the air needs to flow and 
in your mouth, actually, the tongue is the most important thing because that is uh, what um, modulates the airflow the most. Okay. And that's, if you can't whistle properly, um, that makes it harder. So, and so for me, it was like uh, when I got the trumpet to really get the first note out of it, it took me like an hour, <laughs> which is crazy long. So you, which means I think it took you like 10 seconds, uh, which gives you uh, an idea how much more talented you are for playing the trumpet. I would say I'm not talented at all, but I can certainly make a noise through the trumpet, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the most important thing. Let's. Uh, so there's a lot to talk about in your early career um, with Poets of Rhythm, and there's some stuff to talk about with your activism work, and I want to talk about both of those things, and then your newer projects with Feed LA and that sort of stuff. But to start with, I want to tell the story of how we met, which is the band Doping the Void, a, you know, a punk rock band from, from Munich. We started off as a normal punk rock band, and we our first record, we had a release show. And I think maybe Jörg knew you or knew of you, and we said, hey, let's have Treetop come down and play three songs with us, and it'll be fun. And what I distinctly remember was playing those songs with you and then being like, well, I don't want to play in a band anymore unless Treetop is in is in this band. I mean, it made such a huge difference in what we were doing um, and how different we sounded from everybody else. Immediately, I knew that this was something that I wanted to do. So that's what struck me most. And then the other thing was, I think we did a show with Adam Baum. If you don't know who Adam Baum is, you should go look up Adam Baum because it's crazy. Um, but I remember him seeing you play and then saying, hey, you, I want you to come up and play a song with us as well. And then I remember you sitting in the car, like listening to the song and practicing the line so that you could go and play. So that, that's my recollection of how we met in that first show. Um, what's yours? Yeah, that's actually the thing. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I did work with Jörg a lot. Because as a model maker, of course, and he doing like trade fair stuff, we have like this connection. Yeah, so uh, your, your day job is you build models of bigger, <laughs> fancy machines. Yeah, I build models from bigger, fancy machines, and I do a bit engineering, and, and that's, that's my job, exactly. And um, so he came up with the idea, and... Mm, you learned from from them that I like stupid ideas. <laughs> and, we all do. Um, yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's it's the best. Um, and so that was. Um, I remember coming down to your crazy, crazy like fourth floor underground under, rehearsal under, space. Under underground yeah. rehearsal space and uh, really, really uh, having my. Um, deep breath system challenged <laughs> because it was so crazy loud. Um, but actually it was um, the most fun with it was that I had complete freedom. Right. So okay. what to do? I just had the, had the, the, I guess in the beginning the, the plan was to, to, 
to do two songs and I, I got the, the MP3 files and I, I developed some ideas to that and then we ended up to doing a third song and like having complete freedom in expression was what struck me because actually if you're a horn player in most bands you're limited to a function so which was like when I when I was got interested in like playing serious music like in the late 80s was uh, done by keyboards mostly or for the solos there were these classic like trumpet didn't exist except in like classic funk bands like Earthen and Fire or The Gap Band or or um, Cool and the Gang. So but outside of that in pop they're like the the like the drummers became like nice analog boxes. The trumpet players became like part one 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 or two fingers of the right hand <laughs> of some keyboard player who doesn't know anything about breath. <laughs> Um, so, um, like with Doping the Void, the good thing was that I could like lean in with everything I learned before and what I listened to especially, because, uh, when I got my interest in, in music, it was like, what kicked me off, like in the beginning is, was the very early hip hop that, that was called rap back in that time. And like funk bands but i really pretty fast got into like archie shep and uh like free jazz stuff so where actually the you're doing noises on the trumpet uh, resonates with me because <laughs> it's just a, a way of expression <laughs> so uh uh, we don't need to talk too much about doping the void because there's lots of other stuff to talk about but but one more one more thing here is We've done several longer-ish tours in the United States together. Um, and one of the things that you and I talk about is um, how, how different each, each event and each show can be compared to the previous one. So we've certainly had shows where... You know, there were two people and the bands and the people that work there. And we've had, you know, shows where we show up in somewhere we've never been. And there's a lot of people there. Um, is this something that you ever considered when when you were in your early 20s that you would be joining a punk rock band and playing in nowhere places in the United States? <laughs> no, I didn't expect that at all. <laughs> Of course. So I didn't expect actually to uh, to play in a punk band in the first place because, like, the punk band that bands that I knew had like, if they had horns, it would, would was scar, and I don't like scar. Uh, I don't. Let's say I don't want. I don't have any interest in playing scar. And um, but what's I always liked the energy of punk. But I couldn't imagine playing in a punk band, like in my early 20s. Because you're, what you do in our band, which I think is really different, as you just said, is you're just kind of doing your own thing. Sometimes you're handling the melody, and sometimes you're just adding what might be just another guitar part, except you're playing it in trumpet in a very different sort of free association style. 
which is what I, in the end, which is what I think makes us really, really unique, you know? Um, okay, cool. Let's jump back in time then, and let's talk about the Poets of Rhythm. Tell us what the hell the Poets of Rhythm is, and really explain to the people how it's possible you weighed like 150 pounds when you were in the Poets of Rhythm, because you're like six four or six five, and you weighed. You were so skinny back then. So, talk about those two things. Yeah, yeah. Like the poets of rhythm is, um, it's a, it's a, it's a Munich band that was created by, uh, by people who got, like, have a similar like musical journey than I had. So they started out with with listening to early hip hop and then were digging for the music that was that the hip hop tracks was based on like the samples and stuff and so and they they uh, were record collectors and did want to start something that pure like the late 60s to mid 70s garage funk like stuff that like high school bands or a lot of bands did create in in the states um and so and i met those guys because they also took lessons at my teacher's place okay so they uh like um one of the founders uh jj whitefield and his brother wanted to learn trombone, which was a totally uncool instrument for most people at that time. More uncool and than so trumpet? Had, huh? More uncool it than was, trumpet? It was more, even <laughs> even more uncool because like <laughs> trumpet, like trumpet is like the, the uh, is the right finger of the keyboarder, of the keyboarder's right hand and the trombone is something like maybe the thumb or something like that. <laughs> so trombone was totally uncool at that time for most people. And not for me, of course. Um, and they had the slot after my lesson. So, and every time they waited in front of the studio and they did listen to me improvising. And at that time I knew them from the scene because they did play already under another name in, in, in various clubs in Munich. And they wanted to record, uh, record the first 7-inch with the um, claimed idea to have a seven inch that nobody knows that it's uh, it's it's a contemporary thing and everybody thinks it's it's some high school band from okay. probably Ohio or something like that <laughs> and so they were not very they didn't rely on the trumpet player to like get the studio work done and at that time uh that moment in time i already did some studio work and so they just hired me for the for the for the recording session so what was this and the 90s yeah that was 92 okay yeah. and so and then for the recording session their trumpet player didn't show up because i don't know why so maybe he really was afraid of like do the studio thing and so then I had the job. And the crazy thing is, even though they didn't want wanted to 
get any fame and they even like they did hide because they were always taking trips to the states for crate digging and those uh, they left some of those seven inches they like didn't take seven inches out of the crates they did put some poets of rhythm Okay. Seven inches Inside. into the crates, like in, in like like in, in New Orleans, like in yeah. the local local music crate. So they, um, they, they so they brought them in, put them in the local music crates in hopes that someone would find them and listen to them. And and the whole thing, the whole idea would be to have something that someone considers as the real thing. Okay, that was the whole idea. So the whole idea it, it was like it was like uh it was a very nerdy thing of course it was uh, um like worship worshiping the 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 originals and somehow like uh, a label in hamburg did get hand on the seven inch and so they wanted us to record and so uh initially we didn't want to record because we uh, a lot of the guys like that that did run the poets room because they only wanted to do like seven inch singles and so we should record a cd which was like the devil <laughs> <laughs> and so but they tricked us to to uh, by by offering that for every uh, for the uh, when we record the album they pay for uh three or four seven inch productions and did they, they, they allow put them out? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So and um, and we actually this this really gained some momentum. Um, then there were like TV shows and uh, touring and um, so and. Uh, the Poets of Rhythm existed until like 2000, 2001, and they they broke up mainly. And uh, it turned out that it was a pretty influential band. Um, I remember we were on tour because you and I both uh, quite like to go to record stores when we're on tour. I remember being at Reggie's in Chicago and you pulling out uh, the record Poets of Rhythm and saying, hey, look at this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the reissue, the Daptone reissue of our first album. Yeah. So that that's pretty cool to find your your old record in a in a record in a record store. I also remember being in Philly, and the me and the the other guys walked to the Rocky statue, and we left you at a record store, and we were <laughs> easily gone two hours, two and a half hours, yeah. and we came back, and you said you weren't done yet. Yes, 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 sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I mean, that's crate digging. It was a cool, cool store. It was a cool store. There are lots, lots of stuff. And it's still, it's still, I mean, now you have the internet uh, uh, to get uh, to get stuff. But like, when, when I was collecting all, uh, a lot of that stuff, uh, like over here in Germany, we had serious problems to get the real stuff. Because yeah. it was like most of the uh, of the records we were able to get were like the uh, were the pressed in in Europe, and so like the more obscure stuff didn't didn't show up. So we we needed to have like record stores that had 
like that imported uh, the the records from the states or from Great Britain. Cool. So let's uh, let's leave this episode then with uh, we've we've only touched the surface, but let's leave it with this with this one last question, which is um, you did some bigger tours with Poets of Rhythm. And uh, so did you travel all over Europe uh, in a in a bus? And what how did you know it, the, the end was coming for for that band? Uh, the thing was, uh, like, we did tour uh, mostly like Germany, Austria, and Switzerland at the time that I was with the band. Um, and we actually were, were traveling uh, with a Mightliner. And, so um, fancy, very fancy. Yeah, fancy. Yeah, it was good. That was really good. So, like, but that was actually it was necessary because we usually played with DJ Knights. So it was so we were mostly booked on shows of like legendary rare rare groove or funk DJs. So and we uh, our showtime like most of the time we were like the only band, and our showtime was like at one in the morning okay. or two in the morning. And we played like two hour sets or two and a half hour sets, and then uh, there is no uh, it's not sustainable then like to do to the driving alone and yeah it, it 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 paid good enough so we could like we had the money after after even even paying for the nightliner and the driver um and like the 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 you could sense that the end of the band was coming in a way because there were like between I was only like uh, like a, a sideman. I was just the trumpet player, actually. So it was uh, it was a, a group of three individuals, highly creative individuals, who like um, made the poets rhythm happen, happen. And there were more and more artistic like tensions between those three people. And what. Um, what also was present at that time is that the three didn't realize uh, what like huge thing they had there they are going on. They thought they so so in my opinion they didn't really respect like the 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 blessing to have this uh, this band because like until the very last day this band was able to create absolutely crazy, creative, good music. And so right now, um, like this year, our, our last album, the Discern Define album, we'll, we'll get a reissue by, by Daptone 2. And that was, oh, the dog's barking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that, that, that was like, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's a, it's it's the best poets of rhythm album, and that was created during, like, um, the artistic tensions ripping the band apart. Okay. So that's that's the potential was crazy, but it's just so everyone moved on, and they everyone is doing still doing very very um, interesting music, but the styles are like very different. far apart. <clears throat> 
Cool. Um, well, I think we'll, we'll leave it there. Thanks to everyone who's listening. Uh, please continue to listen. Please tell your friends. Please like and subscribe and give us a rate. It helps us out a lot. Thank you, uh, Michael Treetop Voss, for your time. And we will definitely have you on several episodes in the future. It's much appreciated, buddy. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Yeah. Bye. <laughs>